any of you have Christmas traditions at your home and in your family, and if you're a young couple, uh, some of those will evolve and, and, and differ from maybe even your uh, parents and grandparents, and, and we have to all establish things that are consistent with our convictions. And just briefly, and as I know, most of us in America have uh, arrived at the place where we center much of our activities around the giving and exchanging of gifts. You can argue that right or wrong. You can argue it biblically or not biblically. You can, you know, Pastor Brown preached last week wrestling with the morality of Christmas. So I understand all different components to the, to the argument. But the reality is, is most of us uh, erect a Christmas tree in our home. We place Christmas gifts under it, and we exchange those gifts with family and friends at some point in time during what we call the Christmas holiday. Now, for just... Uh, just for knowledge's sake, I think it helps you just to look for just a moment into the history of the Christmas tree for just a moment because some people, again, associate with paganism even today, even though its origin may have been in paganism. But let's just kind of glean over it real quickly just so that you'll kind of know where I'm going. Most associate the origin of the Christmas tree with a Roman pagan culture of celebration of winter solstice. Now, winter solstice was celebrated typically by the Romans from December the 17th through December the 24th because it was typically during those seven days you'd have the, the, the longest day of the year and thus it would turn over again starting the, or the shortest day of the year, the shortest day of the year in anticipation of spring. And so the often pagans would celebrate by erecting fir trees and the community, some in their homes, in celebration of Evergreen, And it was also, to a degree, a pagan uh, holiday practice associated with the worship of the sun god. And, and so uh, Martin Luther, though, was credited during the Reformation of as Christianity kind of took over, I don't want to say the pagan holidays, but in essence that once Christianity became the religion of the Western culture and then began to evolve, and certainly through the Dark Ages, but then with the Protestant Reformation, they still was a celebration of Christianity in, in Germany. And Martin Luther, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the one who in essence started the Protestant Reformation, is credited with actually having brought the Christmas tree from the yard inside the house and, and actually put lights on it because he was walking home from a church service on one starlit, snow-filled night, and it's a starlit, snow glistening, and he could see the stars uh, glistening through the, the, the tree branches in the fir tree that was in his yard. And it impressed upon his heart towards a sermon that he would preach that Christ left the glories of heaven and came to dwell amongst men. And, and legend has it that he brought the Christmas tree in the house and then uh, taught his children those principles, and they hung candles by wire uh, to, again, bring the light that he had saw through the starlight as he journeyed home that particular night. Now, oddly enough, um, as late as 1840, the Christmas tree was seen, as a pagan, was seen as pagan by most Americans. That's hard for us to fathom that in just this short period of time there's been such a change. But that change began by about 1890, and the trend just began to go the other way. Now, gift-giving is another thing. We'll take a moment to talk about that. Gift-giving during the season of Christmas also possibly began during that winter solstice by the Romans in the worship of the sun god, believing that the gift-giving would bring them good fortune the following year. 
And when Christians and Christianity emerged in the Western world, the practice of giving gifts continued, though some refrained because of its pagan origin. Now, for hundreds of years, the practice of gift-giving was absent until possibly the Victorian era or even the Middle Ages. And, but certainly the rise of the legend of St. Nicholas helped bring a resurgence of gift-giving in the 1800s. And I know that you can go online just like I have, and you can glean from some of the history of Christmas traditions and practices. But here's where I want to take a moment and make a slight shift to these two major uh, parts of what we do as, as we worship Christ in, in the Christmas season. Gift-giving and celebration actually has biblical association as well. And we just want to establish that principle here today. It perhaps might even be the origin. The Jews, following the death of the wicked Haman, who had set his mind and his heart to destroy the Jewish people during the time of captivity uh, in Persia, as, he, as Mordecai uncovered his plot and Esther developed a scheme that, that resulted in Haman being destroyed upon the very gallows that he had built for Mordecai. And then the Jews were empowered to stand and to fight against the Persians, and they won a great victory. Mordecai, in, in, in light of that victory, it's written in Esther chapter 9, verse 22. It says, Mordecai instructed the Jews to observe the days of feasting and celebration. Now, this is not Hanukkah, the days of the Jews' celebration in association of the same time frame. This is actually Purim, uh, but they sent delicacies to one another, and they sent gifts to the poor. And we also, so when we think about gift giving, it's not all tied to paganism. We see the Jews celebrating a, a powerful event in their history by giving gifts. And we also, in Christianity, we see the tradition that's linked to the Magi bringing the, 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 the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And in the context of a tree for celebration, here's just the reality. Biblically, trees were often used in pagan practice. We know that. We know that trees were often used in pagan practice for building idols or asterisk poles. But, you know, they were also involved in covenant relationship. If you read the Word of God, you'll find that in the Genesis, God planted a garden, put a tree right in the center, the tree of life. God also, uh, Abraham planted a tree in, in a covenant relationship with Abimelech at Beersheba, and he, there he called upon the name of the Lord. And Israel, though in the law of Moses, they were forbidden from uh, uh, using a tree for any idolatrous purpose, and we understand that because they had the revelation of the one true God. But God also referred to his chosen people, Israel, as an evergreen tree, the olive tree. So it depends upon which way you want to look at it. You can look at everything that we do as, as Christians during the Christmas season, and you can look at it through the lens of its pagan uh, you know, origin, and, you can, and, you, can, and be, uh, you, know, you can be skeptical and even critical, or you can look at it and say, you know what? Man, Christianity has reached into the pagan world and reclaimed some things. Come on, somebody. And reclaimed some things that can still va bring value to our lives. So today, I want you to know there is a Christmas tree in the brown house. But you know what? We don't worship in front of it, right? We don't, we're not burning incense to it, right? We're worshiping the God that created the tree, right? And I just came today with something in my heart. A celebration is in my heart today. It's because I believe God had a tree. 
I believe God had a tree. Now, he didn't, he didn't decor his tree the way that you do yours. So you put your tree somewhere in a centerpiece in your, in your living room, and you put tinsel, and you put Christmas lights on it, and, and, and you uh, hang uh, ornaments on it. But let me tell you, God had a tree. God had a tree, and he decorated, he decored his tree with nails, spikes, and splinters, and the smell of blood, and, 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 the, and the sight of blood, and flesh, and tissue, and, and a crown of thorns, and there he hung his son to die, to bleed, and, and to suffer so that you and I would have access. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? So I came today to say God had a tree. God had a tree, and that is so, uh, such a stimulus in my heart that I'm so excited in this context. And, and as a result of God's tree, I'm telling you, God also gave us great gifts, Gifts that ought to be celebrated. Now, every one of us have celebrated at some point in time in our life over a gift that we've received from a loved one. Now, we've also seen the joy that a gift brings to the, to the eyes of a child. And I'm telling you that if you can look into the mysteries of God close enough and see the good things God has given to those who love him, I'm telling you the psalmist said, you will rejoice that his word is a man that findeth great spoil. You can take, go back in your own personal video history if you have recorded uh, Christmas celebrations with your children and you can see them come in sleepy-eyed on a Christmas morn only to see that bicycle under the tree and with a big bow on it. And all of a sudden, a celebration begins. And I remember years gone by, one of the biggest celebrations that Sherry and I had, it was towards the, these particular three gifts were for the boys we were, in, um, we were actually living in the parsonage in Wilburn pr just prior to me getting out of the Air Force. And we were staying there while we were searching for the will of God that eventually led us to Shirley and then eventually led us back here to Heber Springs. And if anybody remember Bud's in Searcy, and it was the place that all the old Walmart stuff that was either broken or repaired went back to. Does anybody remember Bud's? Right, And I had gone there in uniform on my way home from Little Rock Air Force Base one day to discover three of those, um, uh, those battery-operated, those, those big, like, what are those things called? Those trucks, you know, like that, that had been broken down, taken back, repaired, and were discounted. And I bought all three for $200, what you would normally pay $200. Now, that was a big moment for a man in the military with uh, five children. And we stacked those things up. You know, I, I'm telling you, there was a little in the brown house that day. I'm telling you, God's got a tree. God's got a tree. And if we would just realize of the grace and the goodness and the kindness that he has shown us, every good and perfect gift descends from the Father of lights, with whom there is neither variables, neither shadow of turning. God hung his son on that tree so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. And oh my God, we ought to celebrate all the good gifts. He said every good and precious gift comes down from the Father. If we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children and create an earthly celebration, how much more does our Father have gifts for us? that ought to be celebrated, right? And I'll tell you what, I've come to celebrate today, and I'm going to ask for some help. You get to, some of y'all get to open gifts in here today. Now, it's not going to rattle. It's not going to bang around. It's not going to, uh, you know, have, you don't have to go home and, and get batteries and put inside it because hidden in this box is truth. And the truth ought to be celebrated more than anything that can break down mechanically. And so I'm going to ask a few of you just little by little. I won't spend a lot of time with it, but I'm telling you, God had a tree. And with that tree, 
I tell you, came some gifts that ought to be celebrated today. Janice, tell me what's inside that. Grace. Grace. Oh, my God. We celebrate grace. Why do we celebrate grace? We celebrate grace because Ephesians said it's according to the gift of grace. Grace is a gift. God, grace is an access point. Dr. Brassville preached it several years ago in this church. It's an access point to God. It's where we, as unregenerate, sinful man, can now access God because he's the God of all grace. And we ought to celebrate. I don't know. I'm just running in here today. Grace. I tell you what, I want to share it. I want you to have it. Right? It says there unto each of us. Right? Not just one of us, but to each of us is the gift of grace. Now, Janice feels cheated because I took it away from her. All she got is the lid. She's got grace. She's got grace. Let's go a little farther. Are y'all with me today? I'm telling you, I believe every good and perfect gift. Well, I'm open. I'm so excited, I'm opening. Have you ever seen children get excited and open their sibling's gift? Right? Let, let me just go down. Chris, tell me what's inside that. I opened it again. I've opened it twice. I'm so excited. <laughs> Open that and tell me what's inside that. Eternal life. Eternal life. My God, did you hear what I said? Yeah. Eternal life. Look at that. The gift of God. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Come on, life is more than this tangible world in which we live in. Yeah. Come on, life is with the Father, yeah. right? Where, the, where, where everything is eternal in His presence. Thank God for eternal life. I have to put these boxes back because they belong to Jill Sorry. You can't keep the box, but you can keep the truth. Sorry. Sorry. I'm excited. I'm excited. Kim, I got something for you. I want to open it. What's it say? Justification. What does that mean? Justification is a gift. Justification, it means it's just as if I've never sinned. That meant I was guilty before God. And something called a propitiation took place. It was an atoning sacrifice. Where did it happen? It happened on that tree right there. I was guilty and the gavel of God's judgment fell and declared me guilty. But one came along and said, I'll absorb his penalty. It was Christ on the cross and he died there bleeding and broken so that I could then be justified before God just as if I have never sinned. And I'm telling you, you ought to celebrate that on Christmas Day. Hallelujah. Let's go a little farther. All right, I didn't open this one. <laughs> Let me just go. Even Dr. Brassfield gets a gift here today. I'm excited. I know what's in the box. Righteousness is in the box. Wait just a minute. Righteousness? How does that come in associated with justification? See, because justification is God's declaration that you are no longer guilty. You can be declared not guilty and still feel guilty. Still walk in condemnation. But God didn't, you know, sometimes people walk out of a courtroom that have been acquitted of a crime. And everybody in their mind second guesses. Because they couldn't prove the, the, that, that they were actually, you know, that they had actually committed the crime. But most people sometimes in that situation, they're like, I think he's guilty. Go back to the OJ trial. You think, well, I think he's guilty. That kind of thing. God didn't just acquit you. 
He declared you righteous. He said, look at this. It's the gift of righteousness. God has clothed you in righteousness today. You are righteous in his eyes if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Come on, you're more than a low, dirty sinner. No, you are saved. You've been sanctified by the blood of Jesus, justified just as if you have never sinned. And now God's declared you as righteous, and you'll reign in life through one, through Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody. Amen. That's good preaching right there on a Sunday morning. Let me go down. Jill, since these are your boxes, you ought to at least get to open one, right? Tell me what it says in there. Truth. Remember, it's truth. Truth is to be rejoiced over. What's it say? Oh, my gosh. Did y'all hear that? Did you hear what that says? Holy Spirit. God's poured out on us Gentiles the gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift. Now you can serve God. Because of the blood that was applied to the cross, God gave you eternal life. Out of that eternal life, he justified you. Out of that justification, he declared you righteous. And God said, I want you to walk before me in right standing. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to empower you to live as I desire you to live. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to give you my spirit. Come on, somebody. And you're not going to walk in the flesh and fulfill the desires of the flesh. You're going to walk in the spirit. Right? And not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Hallelujah. I rejoice at the power of God's Holy Spirit. And everybody said, Amen. Let me move those back so I don't get confused. How many's left? Did I open that? One, two, three, four, five. Well, I tell you, I, someone else deserves to open one here today. How many appreciate the Grinch? Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping you'd bring me one. <laughs> Come on now. What's that say? There's the Grinch. Grant Billy did a great job for us the other night, didn't he, church family? What's that say? $5, Greater than that. I got, I got nine gifts. He got nine gifts. I'm going to go away that. Nine gifts. Nine gifts of the Spirit. How many of you are starting to see and make the connection? Every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is neither variableness, neither shadow of turning. When God gives you the gift of the Holy Ghost, He also gives you the gifts of the Spirit. God could give you a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, a word of faith, gift of healing, a working of miracles, or a prophecy, or discerning a spirit, or a tongues, an interpretation of tongues. The gifts of God working in your life, they ought to be celebrated in the house of God. Why? They come to us. How? They come to us because of what God did on the tree. See, God had a tree. I tell you what, some of you will look at your Christmas tree differently from this day forward. Every one of you, I believe in my heart, you'll, when you start time to erect that Christmas tree in, in early December, in your mind, you're going to be reminded and say, God had a tree. God had a tree. God had a tree. God had a tree. Let me just go. I, gotta, I can't just go to the front row, folks. We've got sisters from Missouri. What's in that box? We may want to run on this one right here. Diversity of callings. What is that? That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life. Diversity of callings. That means life is different, and you're different. And you've got different gifts and callings. How would life be if we were all the same? It would be boring, wouldn't it? 
But God said, you can be you. I'm just going to conform you to the image of my son. But at the same time, look at this. It says, having then gifts differing. See, because if I didn't recognize that I have a different gift, I could always compare myself to someone that the world deems more successful. And I could always feel incomplete. But because I recognize a principle that God made me differently, come on. He placed certain gifts and callings in my life that I've learned to celebrate and learn to appreciate the diversity that God has within the body of Christ. And when you do so, I'm telling you, it's very exciting. It's exciting to that diversity that God's added to the body of believers. Now, three more. Let's keep going down the list. I hope my britches are not tore because I'm bending over. <laughs> I love Dot. She's sitting here beside Jill. And I know I shouldn't just be on the front two rows all the time, but she came all the way from South Africa to hear me preach this morning. There's a gift right there. Tell us what that one says. Spouse and family. Spouse and family. How many of you know your family is a gift from God? Come on, let's say that again on Christmas. Your family is a gift from God. It is. And I know everybody's family is different, right? And I know sometimes family can be challenging. But I also know this. If we'll be considerate of one another and learn to appreciate one another, right? It says here in this passage, every man was written to the man in this context towards his wife. But I think we can stretch it. God has given to us a gift called family, right? You say, well, pastor, I'm all alone. No, you're not. You look around. You're part of a big family, right? You're part of a big family that does love you. And we are so thankful that you are not alone on this Christmas day. Got another gift right here. It's one of my favorite people anywhere. So stand up, JoJo. Here's your gift. Stand up, Shane. Come on. Wes, Dr. Brassfield, right? I mean, oh, that God loved you enough to put people in your life. Come on, that when you're down, we encourage you. When you're sick, we pray for you. When you need instruction, we've studied in advance. Come on, we've studied in advance so that we can help you. Grow in your walk with God. You know, that's a gift that ought to be celebrated. I tell people all the time, and I'll say it to you on Christmas Day, everybody needs a pastor. And some of you may have come to church today for the first time in a long time. Let me just tell you, one of the great privileges that you could take advantage of is aligning yourself up with a local body of believers and having somebody over you that cares enough about you to speak the truth of the Word of God into your life. That's a gift from God. It is. It's a gift from God. And lastly today, and this one may seem small to you. It is in a small box. But I tell you, I like the principle that it holds. It, there's a great principle that it holds. I'm going to go all the way to the back row, and I'm going to find Brother Gerald, and I'm going to give him this. Here's a retired 26-year veteran of the United States Air Force. Right? That's the last that I'll just draw your attention to today. What's that say, Brother? Labor and, Labor and life. Let's look at this. Let's look at that. And also, every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. 
Let's read the bottom one. Every man has, to whom God has given riches and wealth, he's given him the power to eat thereof, to take his portion, and to rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. If God's given you an ability to get up every morning, put your own clothes on, eat your own breakfast, drive in your vehicle, go to your work somewhere, come home to your home at night, to your family, right? That's the gift of God. Don't take it for granted. Celebrate it. Is that right? Celebrate it. Now, Pastor Brown, are there more? There's so much more. But I'm calling a conclusion to it today, and I promise you I wouldn't preach long. But I had something in my heart that I wanted to share with you as I conclude this morning on Christmas Day. And that is very simply that God had a tree. Just say it with me. God had a tree. God had a tree. And because of that tree, because of that tree, there are great gifts that God's given us. These gifts are truths. They're not going to break down. They're not going to grow rusty, right? There's not going to be something new that comes out next year that's going to take its place. These truths are eternal. They've flowed from the living word of God, and they will work in everyone's life. They're not to just one, but they're to all, right? And I just wanted you to know today, on Christmas Day, God had a tree. But the one thing I perhaps need to go ahead and add in conclusion is this right here. The greatest gift of all, God hung on that tree. God hung him on that tree. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Jesus was talking to a woman at the well in John chapter number 4. And he said, woman, if thou knewest the gift of God, and he that it is that speaks with you, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. I'm telling you, God loved you so much that he hung his son on the cross so that through the blood that would be spilt that day, he could then bless your life eternally and temporarily on this side of eternity. God so loved you through the person of his son on the cross. God had a tree. Can y'all say that with me? God had a tree. God had a tree. Hear the words of a famous hymn. It's often just shared on Easter and at that time of year, but it's been on my heart all week. It says, on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. It was the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. God had a tree. Oh, that old rugged cross so despised by the world, it has a wondrous it has a wondrous attraction for me. Come on, somebody. For the dear Lamb of God left his glory above to bear it to dark Calvary. God had a tree. In the old rugged cross stained with blood so divine, it was a wondrous beauty I see. For the dear Lamb of God left his glory above to pardon and to sanctify me. 
God had a tree. To the old rugged cross, I will ever be true. It's shame and it's reproach gladly bear. Then he'll call me someday to my home far away where his glory forever I'll share. Church family, God had a tree. And on that tree, he hung his son so that you could be the recipient of all the graces and the gifts and the kindness that he has desired for you. But you've got to receive it. Church family, you have to receive it. Just as when you sit down with your family and there's an exchange of gifts that's made, you have to receive that gift. You say, Pastor, what is that gift that I would receive today? And that is the gift of eternal life through faith in Christ Jesus. Our heads are bowed and our eyes closed today. For just a moment of time as we strike the noon hour on this Christmas Sunday. And I want to give you an opportunity here today. We don't have music playing. We didn't bring the worship team back. We're not singing a, a song as you depart. But I'm telling you, in my heart of hearts, I feel today, and I believe in my heart that a Christmas miracle is about to take place. I believe that there's someone here under the sound of my voice that is being compelled by the Holy Spirit to surrender their life to Jesus Christ, to accept this thing called grace, to believe in God's gift that Jesus died on the cross as a propitiation for your sins, as an atoning sacrifice. And if you will trust him today, then justification will be your gift. Righteousness will be your gift. Grace is your gift. It's your access point to God. If you're here today, Christmas morn, 2016, and you say, Pastor Brown, I've come today and my heart is being strangely warmed to a power that's unseen. And it's the Holy Spirit that I feel is tugging on my heart. And today, I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. If that's you, I want to...